Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. The topic for the talk um, today will be using our practice to cope in hard times. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we can define hard times anyway. Some of us are having difficulty with our political and social climate. Some of us are struggling with family issues or work issues or health issues. Whichever way you take these teachings, um, please use them in the way that they apply to you. And also, if we discuss anything social or political and your view is not shared with the view of this speaker, anyone in the room, we open our hearts to everyone. Every view is welcome in this room. There isn't a view that's wrong. You know, so we speak from an open-hearted and acceptance and welcoming place. However, um, it's always important to um, reflect the teachings of the Buddha, you know, which is re loving, kindness, respect, and care for all. So, and I know you all know that. So I want to start with one of um, Buddha, Buddha's teachings, the fire sermon, uh, which is one of my favorite suttas because the language is so strong, it really attracts your attention and holds you. Uh, and I'll read a little bit and then explain a little bit. It always starts with this. Thus I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Gaia together with a thousand bhikkhus. So bhikkhus would be monks. Uh, and he the, there he addressed the bhikkhus. And he says, because all is burning. And what is the all that is burning? The eye is burning, forms are burning, eye consciousness is burning, eye contact is burning. Also, whatever is felt as pleasant or painful or neither painful nor pleasant that arises with eye contact for its indispensable condition, that too is burning. Burning with what? Burning with the fire of lust or greed, with the fire of hate, with the fire of delusion. I say it is burning with birth, aging, death, with sorrows, with lamentations, with pains, with griefs, with despairs. And then he goes on to say the ear is burning, sounds are burning, the nose is burning, odors are burning, the tongue is burning, flavors are burning, the body is burning, tan tangibles are burning, the mind is burning, ideas are burning, mind consciousness is burning. So it goes on like this. It's a wonderful sutta, uh, and it's, it's one that's very accessible. And uh, not being a Buddhist scholar in particular, I can't say with full authority what this sutta means, but I can give you my interpretation as it 
rolls around for me in my consciousness and I try to work with it, that he's trying to say to us um, that a few things, and, and different scholars will land on different things about this sutta, but in every moment of consciousness or awareness, our sense doors make contact with the world. And as we make contact, a lot's already happening, right? It doesn't take much. We're a very, very fast and intricate human being, this human being, this being here. So the minute our eyes make contact, there's a burning. There's, there could be a uh, craving, right? Which is nothing, I don't think there's some, anything inherently wrong in this, so don't hear criticism. There could be a craving, there could be an aversion, um, or um, a delusion, greed, hatred, delusion. At any sense door, the minute we land on it with sound, with touch, with hearing, these uh, conditions will rise up. And most of the time, we don't know that they're happening. We're not aware, which is the definition of delusion. And I love this, the word burning, because um, for, for several reasons, burning implies the impermanence of things. It's burning. You hit it, it's gone, it's gone. It's burning. It's not going to stay. But burning is almost the warning bell of the Buddha that when we're living in greed, when we're living in hatred, when we're living in delusion and we don't know it, the world is burning. Our world is burning. We are burning. And you can see this in the world today, in our climate, in our political climate, in um, global warming, in social injustice and inequity, with, through greed, through hatred and delusion, the world is burning. And how do we respond? How do we respond skillfully, with equanimity, with loving kindness, um, with right action, right attitude? How do we maintain our minds, our hearts, our physical self? Sometimes when we uh, turn on the evening news and we're appalled. We're brought to tears and our values are trampled on. What do we do? So this sutta is for us. It's for our practice and it's for these times. As the Buddha is telling you that we too get caught in greed, aversion, and delusion. And that every moment through our sense doors, with awareness and mindfulness, we can uproot this aversion. And as we do that, we can find refuge in hard times. It's actually in service to ourselves. And I'll explain a little bit more.
So it's quite easy to fall into a mind state when, when we hear something on the television or radio or something somebody says to, um, to feel ill, to feel uh, violated, to feel shut down, to feel angry, to feel annoyed, to disappointed, all those things we could place under the label of aversion, to push it away. And yesterday uh, was at the march in the morning here, and I was um, talking to a friend walking back, and she said, uh, she said, you know, I know this isn't a good idea in my practice, and I know I'm not supposed to cultivate this, but I do have very violent thoughts about certain people. And I can't indulge it, I know, but I have them. I do. I have some fantasies. I'm going to come clean. And uh, we laughed. We giggled that giggle. And I said, yeah, I do too. There are moments where I harbor these ill will fantasies that, that are violent inside. It's only normal to feel that way. Uh, we're human. We hurt. And, uh, but she said, I know I have to let that go. It's not in service. Of, the, of my path or a social path. It won't work. So I know I have to drop it. Her wisdom, drop it. And it's true. It's true. If we're going to inhabit and live in our aversion, whether it's anger or hatred or your muscles are all tight or you don't want to hear anybody else's view, or you're sinking in despair, or you're consumed with hate, you don't want to listen anymore, I have to turn everything off, which is okay for a while when you have to. Um, but if we're walking around through that lens, it's not so great to live in the body. It's very stressful. It hurts us. When we're producing aversion, we're feeling the pain of aversion. We're the ones that are suffering with that. We're holding it in our body-mind. And it's just like um, if you're going away on a long trip and you don't have a good suitcase and you've packed unnecessary things, your trip is going to be very uncomfortable. And we know pack less and uh, carry the right luggage for a good trip. And that's the trip that we're on is a long trip of, of social justice, of compassion, kindness, of living skillfully in this world, of alleviating suffering in our own way. And we need to travel lightly and bring the right luggage. And so we look to the Buddha's teaching to know what to pack and what to leave behind. So we need to learn how to turn that aversion into loving-kindness and caring and compassion and to live in the Brahma Viharas, to live in these divine abodes through these hard times. We have to learn to keep our heart open <clears throat> and our heart full.
we also need to learn to live with the equanimity as well. So the loving kindness and keeping the open heart. First of all, we have to be able to feel whatever is happening with compassion. We have to let it in. We can't hide. And when we hide from social injustice, from the wrongs, from the ills of our society, we are in delusion. We're in denial and delusion. And it doesn't serve. It maintains a dysfunctional system because we're hiding from it. So one is letting it in and feeling, and to allow ourselves to feel the brokenheartedness that this news brings, to fully embody it. Because the heart that breaks, breaks open. The heart that breaks, breaks open, and it wishes we wish for everyone to be safe and loved, free and cared for. And we can live in that place. We can turn the mind to open in this way because hatred does not help hatred. It doesn't solve anything. It's only a loving heart. So um, if we stay in aversion, we will go numb and we will shut down. And this is not a time to be numb or shut down. So to practice the loving kindness and um, look to those that share your values and who are working hard on your behalf. Right? Look to the people that show up. Look to the organizations that fight and work hard. And whatever you can add, add. If it's a couple of dollars, or letter writing, or going somewhere, or practicing in your life in some way, uh, the little things that you do add up. That's loving kindness in action. And give yourself that loving kindness back. Whatever little thing you do, whatever small gift you give to serve, to uplift. And uh, when I was walking with the folks of Long Beach yesterday in the protest. I just kind of made it a walking meditation and it was really nurturing and loving um, and I intentionally with my heart looked at the people all around me, children, older folks, disabled for folks, all everybody from every race, ethnicity, all backgrounds. I really looked at them and I took it in took it in in the heart, like they care. They're here because they care, and we're here because we care. And to allow ourselves to be nurtured and fed from what's good, from what's working, and allow yourself to take that in, that many people care just in this way. Many people want to see change just like me. Many people want to speak out to injustice, and I honor them, I support them, I send them loving kindness, 
and to those who don't share my views even harder, I offer them my loving kindness. That's, we call that advanced Buddhism. <laughs> right. We call that AP Buddhism. And you can send them loving kindness. May they awaken to their own suffering and the suffering of others. May they find wisdom. May their hearts open. May whatever suffering got them to this place where they impose suffering on others, may they be free of it. May they be liberated from greed, hatred, and delusion. Anybody who harms, generally speaking, and we know this, has been harmed in some way. There had to be some suffering to get them to that place. Most likely, not always, but most likely. So we keep that in mind. So we take time to give externally to others, and we live in our community, and we take time to give to ourselves internally. So when you have to turn off the news and replenish yourself and take a break, you take a break. Hearts open, hearts close. Hearts open, hearts close. And so you take some time like a turtle to stick your head in the shell <laughs> to replenish yourself. So um, we also want to focus on um, this practice of equanimity, that there are many causes and conditions in the world, in our culture, in our society. We don't have control. So many, many things are operating, and we are one in a sea of humanity, of many, and we need to cultivate finding the balance and the ease and the acceptance so we don't get blown over when the tides of change come. And they're coming, and most likely it will be a long fight. So we need to cultivate balance through all the change, acceptance and balance. I like to tell the story. I don't know if other people like my story as much as I like the story <laughs> of um, having uh, this uh, caregiver after school. My mom was off working. And uh, so she would find somebody in the community that was home to watch my sister and I. And this, she found this older lady named Tilly. She had really big white feet, I remember, legs, you know, big, big legs, like elephant legs. And she, and, uh, she wasn't too friendly. And she liked to say, nobody is ever going to disrespect me because I, I have lived through a Great Depression and two world wars, right? That was her line. Don't disrespect me, young lady. Before you said anything, you know, she would say, don't disrespect me, young lady. I have lived through two world wars and a Great Depression. But as a child, that struck me. She was telling me something very important, right? She was saying, life 
when we live suffering, when we're born, we live through, as humans, we live through major life events. No one gets a free ticket. And I think for us, we have thought that we were getting a free ticket in this society, in this culture. We thought we had it. This was a strong democracy, and people could move up in class, and there was justice. Well, we don't get that ticket necessarily. We're just one in many in a swarm of beings. And your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents went through lots of difficulty, just like you just like you, and this is the ticket for being alive, is to live with this with dignity, with grace, with ease, with balance, with, with morals, with ethics, right? To serve where we can serve. So we cultivate accepting things as they are. We may not like them, but we learn to ride the waves of these difficulties with some inner resilience and strength. So the equanimity practice can carry us through the floods. We don't get lost in our hatred, our aversion, our fear. We really use that practice as refuge. So, um, there's one other thing that we can do for coping, for resilience, is to celebrate our lives and maintain joy. That's a way to be resilient and to, to feel grateful um, and to celebrate what you do have and what's working, not to necessarily feel guilty for it. To, Rick Hansen calls it Taking in the Good, and I don't know if any of you have read his book, Taking in the Good. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good <laughs> book uh, where he's talking about building resilience by changing the um, habit mind where we're in the default mode most of the time and um, we're just, the mind doesn't rest. When you're still, it's not resting. It's solving problems, it's looking for problems, and it's creating a you, a very uncomfortable you, why you are part of the problem. And that's why most of us don't like to sit in a quiet room doing nothing. That's why we're always on our media, we're turning on the radio, or we're running, because we can't live with this chattering mind. And that's the mind in the default network, in the default mode. The good news is, it's not you that can't live with your mind, it's all of us. It's this brain, the way it works. Um, and it works like that probably for survival reasons. So meditation, um, and meta-loving-kindness is a great way to move awareness out of this default network to a place of present moment awareness to here, to being here right now. And Rick Hansen talks about using the mindfulness to notice what you're enjoying, what's pleasant, what's safe, 
what's good as a way to uh, help move the brain towards the uh, happy chemicals, the serotonin uptake chemicals, and uh, to give us more resilience. So it's okay in hard times to really savor and enjoy what's great and what's working in your life as a way to resource yourself for, for what you can give, what you can do. So we're going to end, I'm going to do a, a mindfulness exercise with you on, on this. And I'll show you where you can access it because I, I think this is really important for us to nurture ourselves with um, taking in the good, like Rick Hansen talks about during these times. So when we turn on the news and hear something really hard, we're standing on firm ground in every way we can. Right. So let me, um, before I do that exercise with you, I'm going to read It wants to appear to me. If it doesn't, I can't read it. Give it one more chance to appear and then we move on. Well, that's always a mystery, but I'll read something else. And this is from uh, Spring Washam's book, A Fierce Heart. A Fierce Heart. A Fierce Heart, yeah. It says... The Dalai Lama writes, no matter what is going on around you, never give up. Develop the heart. Too much energy is spent in your country on developing the mind instead of the heart. Be compassionate, not just to your friends, but to everyone. Work for peace in your heart and in the world. Never give up. It's your life and you can choose how you want to live it. To some degree, we all have traumatic stress. Like fallen angels, we've lost the use of our wings. And it's time for us to regain them so we can take flight. One wing is compassion and the other is wisdom. These wings work together to carry us further and further into and on our journey. To fly, we need both. Wisdom helps us see and accept the truths of life. Wisdom and compassion are the wings of awakening, our protectors. Our, courage, our outrage, concern, and despair are an expression of how much we love. And so we can turn it into powerful form of compassion, 
the kind of compassion Dr. King, Nelson Mandela, Cesar Chavez, Stephen Biko, Black Elk Gandhi, uh, Wagari, Matali, Malala, Yousafi, and so many others had and have. They are standing with us. Stay close to your soul tribe and unite in the light of truth. There's work to do. Hold your head high and don't give in to despair. The truth is stronger than a lie. Pens, poster boards, and picket signs are just the beginning. Do what's right and resist what isn't. Dr. King said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. We each carry within our hearts what is needed for the healing of our world at this time. It's the gift you came here to bring, and you will find your unique way to express it. Trust your innermost being. Trust in your true nature. My prayers are that you find your call to action. In spite of this world breaking my heart over and over, I love it with every ounce of my being. I signed on as a friend, and I hope that you do too. If you ever get lost, look deeply at the path closely, and then ask yourself one question. Does this path have heart? If it does, then follow it, friend. And she has a closing prayer. And I'll let somebody else read it. Who would like to read it? Who would like to volunteer? Thank you. You want to stand up and read it? Poor <laughs> <laughs> Laura. Oh, for that. Wow. <laughs> All right, you can sit there. <laughs> All right, there it goes. It's this one, right? Mm-hmm. My closing prayer. For the benefit of all beings and for all life on earth, please stand up. I guess I have to stand up. Oh. <laughs> for the seven generations from now, please stand up. For our ancestors and all those who have come before us, I ask you to please stand up. For all those without a voice, abused, lost, and neglected, I ask you to please stand up. For the indigenous earth keepers and protectors, I ask you to please stand up. For all those who have died defending the sacred, I ask you to please stand up. In the name of wisdom and the infinite compassion together with a fierce heart, we all stand up. we take refuge. This is our refuge. This is what we've got. This is our army right here. It's an army of love, compassion, care, and morality. And we take the vow in our own way to stand Keep standing because it's going to be a long one. So, taking a moment 
Yeah, I'm not finding anything that I need here, but I'll do it anyway. So in this, uh, we're reading this book together. Some of you have been coming. And um, let's do a brief exercise on taking in the good, on, on holding ourselves in resilience. So I'll guide you through it as best as I can, and then we'll have some discussion time. A few minutes. So closing your eyes and taking a comfortable posture. And sensing and feeling the field of loving kindness in this room. The caring and compassion we have for one another. The caring and compassion we have for all beings. And for ourselves. Taking a moment now and bring to mind a being. It could be person, animal, spiritual figure, a teacher, mentor, guide. And holding this person in your mind's eye and recalling their kind words to you, their kind actions. how much they care for you. And allowing that to sink into the body, into the heart, into the heart-mind. Reminding yourself that you deserve happiness, caring and love, and all beings deserve happiness, caring and love. And sense that, feel what that feels like, that nurturance, the beingness, of this connection. And allowing this particular image to fade into the background and recalling a moment this week, today, in the past week or two where you displayed kindness and care could have been to a pet or a stranger, a family member, a group, something you did that evoked kindness. You might have been generous or given a compliment or asked to help someone. Whatever image comes up for you. 
And as you explore this image, sensing and feeling deep in your heart what that felt like. Noting, noticing how you and all beings wishing all beings joy, happiness, ease. All beings deserve happiness. May all beings be happy. May I be happy. releasing this image to one a little bit harder for, for us. Something you did for yourself today or in the week. Something that was kind. An action you appreciated on your own behalf. Something you felt good about and allow yourself to take that in. Feeling it in your heart, feeling it in your body. And perhaps repeating this phrase, as all beings wish to be happy, may all beings be happy, may I be happy, may I be content. May I have ease. What do you appreciate yourself for? What do you value yourself for? And can you give loving kindness to the beautiful actions? Can you notice that? And allowing this to fade a bit and bringing your awareness to what you're grateful for in your life whatever abundance you have, what you enjoy, what you cherish, what's most dear to you. It may be something simple like a garden, the flowers in the garden. Or a dog wagging its tail when you walk in the door. Loved ones a good book. And as you contemplate this feeling and sensing it in the heart and in the body, again, repeating this phrase, sensing this phrase, 
Just like me, all beings wish to be happy. May I be happy. May all beings have happiness. May all beings have safety. May all beings be loved and cherished. May all beings be free, free of suffering. time for some comments, questions, sharing. I see many of us have teary eyes and um, these are tears of compassion and loving kindness. We don't have to um, hide those. You know? Yes? Oh. Uh the Wednesday group, when you led it, you did a self-compassion mm -hmm. practice. Could you review that real quick? Because there are four points, and I think it just perfectly ties into what you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. And you also gave the, um, the scientific justification for it, too, which is really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, it's a good time to practice self-compassion. It's like, you know, you want to go cross country, but if you don't fill up your gas tank, you can't get out of LA. <laughs> right? That's what self-compassion is. I want to be effective. I want to be active. I want to do what I can do. Well, I got to have a full gas tank. And some of it is um, working with compassion and loving kindness for yourself. And many of us don't have it. So what Lawrence is talking about is, um, and, and I think a lot of you have done this in the room with, you know, we've, we've covered this before, but I don't know if we have time to actually go through the science, but we do have time to do the self-compassion break. This is a good time to reinforce that. So the self-compassion break, was created by um, Christian Neff and Christopher Gurner. And I think a few of you took the class when we had it down here. Yep, yeah. And um, they've done, they did this research, and the research supports how good it is to practice self-compassion for the body, mind, for the brain. The outcomes are really... Um, impressive and I can give you the links if you want to read that and, and so this is a good time for self-compassion because as we can feel compassion for ourselves we can also send it outward it's not a one-way 
I don't teach it one way, not just in but out, right? But we have to go in. So the first part of self-compassion is just knowing that you're suffering, noticing that you're having a difficult moment, right? Noticing that there is difficulty. That's what you're bringing awareness, like, ouch, this is a difficult moment. There's suffering here. This hurts. And the second part is to understand, and this is the most important part for me in my practice, that I'm not the only one, I'm not alone, suffering just like this. Whether it's an inner critic attack or I'm feeling inadequate or I'm responding to news on the television or life is just hard, it didn't go my way, or I'm fighting something, you know, as a clinician in the health system that is hard to see. <laughs> Some of us have nodded and smiled, right? Um, I'm not alone. I'm one with all beings, because I think shame lives in the concept when something's wrong, we blame ourselves and we want to hide and we think we're the only one. This is what inadequacy teaches us. I'm defective and I got to hide that which we don't want to do. It's the reverse. No, you're not defective. This is human struggle. This is the struggle of human beings. So one, notice that you're suffering. How many of us don't even know that we're suffering? At the end of the day, you're all tense and stressed and we didn't even know we were suffering. Right? And two is to know that you're not alone. Right? And three is to make contact with the body because touch is soothing to the central nervous system and your central nervous system doesn't know who's touching you that doesn't particularly care. You may care, but your central <laughs> nervous system is like touch is touch, right? So finding that soothing touch, a lot of us like to have hands placed on the heart or a hug. Or I know the guys start to get a little like, what is she saying? <laughs> right, but or, oh, right. touch and touch also wakes up your brain. Right, so touch, what's happening? Right. So touch would be a part. <clears throat> and then to use the phrases of loving kindness in metta. All right, to practice that. So for me, it's like filling up the gas tank with extra good gas, the, the one you pay the most for at the pump, right? It's a tune-up so that we can travel well on this path. So would you like to do that as well? Want to do that? Yeah, okay. So closing your eyes for a moment. You're doing a lot of this, but call for. We need this. <clears throat> Contemplating a moment this week or in the last few days where you experienced difficulty. Maybe it was external in the news or in your life or internal a critic attack or feeling inadequate or having some fear. And if you like, you can make contact, use touch, handing, hand over heart or a hug, feeling and sensing the body. You could hold your hands. I'm reminding ourselves there's an interbeing here. You know, there's cause and conditions in many, many people all over this world who are suffering in this way, just like this. 
just as I'm feeling this pain or this fear, this uncertainty, this ill ease, many, many people are feeling this. I'm one with them. My hearts are with them. And silently repeating these phrases. May I accept myself with love and compassion. May I be kind to myself in the face of this suffering. May I meet my needs lovingly. May I be strong. May I be peaceful and at ease. So scientifically, we know this is good for the brain and for the defense system, the autoimmune system, um, for stress, anxiety, insomnia. They've actually done these studies that this practice is actually very good for body, mind, and heart, for citta. And it is a Buddhist practice. So this is something, thank you for bringing that up, to really um, use when you sense that overwhelm. Has anybody sensed overwhelm? <laughs> oh, right? So, yeah. Anybody else would like to comment or say something? Lola? So, in, in sending <clears throat> metta to something I see on the news, a person, figure, I think it's about, even though I'm not feeling it, just saying it. I think starts to open something, even if I'm not aware. But because I was thinking, but how can I do that? How can I send loving kindness to a certain entity? But then I, I think I just need to start. Maybe that has to do with changing the patterns that my habit patterns. I'm thinking through as you're speaking how I can how I can use this. That is so easy. Yes, AP AP practice <laughs> advanced. <laughs> I think Mark had his hand up, so I uh, want to. Yeah, you had a comment about uh, first. I'll go back to the default section. Mm -hmm. uh, when I default, I isolate, and it's just me and my issues, and I withdraw. But Something happened today in the group where we all stood up. It got me. It, it, it got me. That I, I, I lose the point that it's far, we're all of this together. That really sort of touched home for me. And part three, don't forget Wednesday. Oh, thank you. Yes. 
We're not going to meet Wednesday for book club because it's July 4th, and this area is crazy down here. So we, we will not hear each other. We will be... So no meeting July 4th. Thank you, Mark. Oh, I had an example yeah. that might help Lola's point a little bit. Um, I read some Rick Hansen books, and I was... I had a minor trauma in my life that I used like that Rick Hansen loving kindness approach to address, which was my brother was attacked by a German shepherd when I was 12. It was right in front of my face and the dog bit my mom's hands and took off part of her finger mm. and like it went on and on. It was really awful. Everybody survived except the dog. Um, and from there on after the sight or sound of a German shepherd would put me in full like panic mode, understandably. And so as an adult, I practiced loving kindness to myself whenever I saw a German Shepherd on TV or in person. And I practiced it eventually while petting a German Shepherd. I would ask people if I saw one, is your dog friendly, can I pet your dog? And I would just practice just open loving kindness towards myself. And now when I see a German Shepherd, I feel loving kindness for myself. I really replaced the anxiety and the fear and that like absolutely automatic response with something else. So it is possible to if you just start. And that's just sort of an unrelated example, you know, um, and it's very not intellectualized. And we're talking about like a dog and a dog bite. And it's harder to get out of your head when it's the news and something you're thinking about and making judgments. But if you just go with loving kindness towards yourself in that moment, I think you can sort of change your change your response. It worked for me. Thank you. That's a great example. Great example. I think, Paula, you had your hand. Oh, um, yeah. Gosh, so many things affected me today. First, I want to say thank you so much. Like, you were just totally, like, right on everything. Yeah, I just felt everything today. And the standing up was so powerful. And, um, uh, I too have my own experiences of kind of going off with with what I feel upset about, with what I perceive is happening, and and then I practice different things to, um, you know, just to continue to like ask myself, who am I being? Who am I being right now? Who am I being? And uh, and you know, and it's. And it's difficult to see, like, when I'm really angry over there and then I become what it is I don't like. And to see that again and again. And, um, and then get off it sooner and sooner. So the practice does help, you know. And I love what you said, too, about, um, about how we kind of all thought, or, or, you know, you kind of made this general statement, like, that we all thought maybe we had this ticket, you know, but, but look at the world. And one of the things that's been helping me and, and supporting me is um, looking at people right, right in my own community who haven't had it easy. You know, like I, I listen very closely to African American people and how they're dealing with this. I, I listen to uh, Jewish, my Jewish friends, to see how they, how they're dealing with what I'm perceiving, um, and um, you know. Two, two of my old students just uh, came forward and called me for help, and I was able to support them. 
and so that loving kindness about what can we do right now, right here, that helped me, you know. So all of it. And then the last thing I want to say is I saw on the internet, and I, I can't remember who they were, but it was this image and this picture and this thing about, and it was African American, I don't know if it's a tribe or who it was, it wasn't here in the U.S., it was somewhere else. But what they do with their member of their society when they do something wrong is instead of, like, we're so used in this culture about punishing, and their way is seeing, and they surround them, like we just stood up, they surround the person that caused the harm and just love them. And they cannot not see themselves. And that's how they deal with it. And I know it's hard, but I know love's more powerful than fear. Thank you. So, um, we are at the end of our sit. Take good care of yourselves. Take good care of each other. Do what you can. Do a little extra. <laughs> and practice um, self-compassion. And Rick Hansen's taking in the good. That was an aversion. Of that, there's one in um, Sharon's book. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.